Well, good morning, Faith Fellowship. Welcome back to our series on the armor of God, or as we've been calling it, never go into battle undressed. Now, I was recently at the dermatologist to have a, a few bumps and, and skin anomalies removed. While I was, uh, while I was digging the holes for, for my deck footers, I dropped a tool, and of course, Murphy's Law, that tool rolled right into one of the footer holes and fell all the way to the bottom of the hole, three feet down, just behind and underneath of all of the rebar that I had just put in the hole. And so I was kneeling at the hole, leaning forward as best as I could to try to reach that tool. When I went, I went past my tipping point, and I did a head dive right into the footer hole head first which my wife and family thought was just absolutely hilarious, even though I had this gash on my head where I ran into the rebar. Well, that never really quite healed, or I just kept picking at it and picking at it, so I finally said, I'm going to have to go to the dermatologist to get this fixed. And of course, they want to give your whole body the once-over. And my wife came with me. She likes to come along for the ride, I guess, for the show or the entertainment. I'm not sure. So it's the normal drill, right? Strip down to your BVDs and wade in the cold, no robe, because you're going to have to take it off anyway, for the doctor to knock on the door and come in. And so in this case, it was a very young female doctor. So I am doing my best to suck it in and hold it all that I could. Now, now, once she is done her initial exam, she calls for another nurse to assist her with the removal and biopsy process of a few spots she didn't like. So in walks another female nurse. I'm still just sitting there in my BVDs. And, and of course, I'm saying, come on in, join the party. And as I'm doing so, here comes another nurse walking down the hall, just smiling at me as she walks past the open door. It's hard to look your best when you are dressed your least. You see, I have what you might call a classic fall-winter body. The more clothes I have on, the better I look. That's just the way that is. There's something about being undressed, isn't there, that makes you feel very vulnerable, isn't there? You just want to sit down or, or hide from view. It's why Paul says to the Ephesians, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This morning we are going to continue our look at the armor of God. We have already reviewed the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet fitted with a gospel of peace. 
with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all of the arrows of the evil one. And this morning, our focus will be on the helmet of salvation. So before we get into the meat of our topic, let me remind you, if you missed a message, any message, and you want to catch up, you can always do so by going to ffcsermon or sermons.org, where you can listen online, you can download a podcast. You can also go to www.ffc.org, click on the live tab, and watch a previous message on YouTube or Facebook. Let's pray. We'll see what God has for us this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you are fully equipping us, that you've given us everything we need in Jesus Christ. We thank you for all of the armor that we have in knowing you and in knowing your word and being equipped and fully prepared because we have you for what comes our way. We ask for your presence here as we open your word. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. While conducting a raid in Helmand Province of Afghanistan in 2013, a U.S. Marine platoon received incoming sniper fire. One of the Marines was struck in his head in the helmet. It bounced off of his Kevlar helmet. And he assured his fellow Marines that he was okay, he was unhurt, except for a lot of ringing in his ears, I guess so. And they continued their mission. You can find footage, ironically, of the entire incident on YouTube because there was a cameraman with them while they were on patrol. But a word of caution, there's plenty of colorful language in that video, as you might expect. I did manage to pull a shot of the video of the Marine. He's the guy on the right holding his helmet. It's a little hard to see probably from where you are, but if you can get up close, you can see that the bullet scratched through the outer covering into the Kevlar, actually went through it as you listen to the video of that helmet. That's why COs tell troops, trust your equipment, it will save your life. Modern helmets provide ballistic protection with an unobstructed field of view. The iconic helmets worn by Roman legions were, were made of leather with bronze plates for protection. They included neck and, and uh, cheek guards. Some helmets were entirely cast of metal, except for the ornamental plumes of horsehair. And their primary function was to defeat the blows from enemies' broadswords and arrows. Paul tells us, accept God's salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're in a constant battle for our binds, aren't we? That's where temptation begins. When God gives you an idea, we call that inspiration. But when the enemy gives you an idea, we call that temptation. And every day you have to choose which ideas you are going to accept. The Bible says is that if you want to overcome temptation, you need to resist the devil. James says, so give yourselves humbly to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, how do we do that? By replacing tempting thoughts with biblical thoughts. The first step to take that we need to take in, in the battle for our mind is to accept God's salvation as our helmet. Well, what does a helmet do? Well, a helmet protects your head, your mind. Your mind is where the battle against temptation is fought. Before you can say no to the enemy, you've got to say yes to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wants us to guard our thoughts. If the devil can tamper with our thoughts, he can meddle with our lives. 
how we perceived Christ and his teaching affects all of our life. You see, our beliefs determine our behavior, our direction, and our destiny. As believers, we've been issued the helmet of salvation. Salvation is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We can be condemned just fine all by ourselves, but we cannot be saved by ourselves. There are no do-it-yourself Christians. Eugene Peterson said, Salvation is not the end of our journey, but the end of our wandering. Neither is it the end of the battle with sin. The battle of our mind is, is constantly under assault. The enemy would like to debilitate us by poisoning our minds. And falsehoods can come in many subtle forms. It could be a school system that derides biblical teachings, and we seem to have those prevalent throughout the country. Television programs that make fun of faith or marginalize immoral behavior. The influence of a bad friend. Don't discount that one. Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Such thinking blinds people to the truth. David wrote in Psalm, Psalm 101, he says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. In other words, we need to watch what we watch. Our enemy also wants to tear us down with negativity. We need to, to guard our minds. Where do these destructive thoughts lead us? Well, Roman soldiers were well armed. But they're not around today, are they? Because the empire was imploding. How did Rome fall? How will the USA fall? Not from external threat, but from internal decay. The decline of Rome is attributed to several factors. A decline in morals, rampant materialism, an obsession with physical pleasure, and political corruption. Boy, that sounds like today, doesn't it? We've got all four of those in abundance as we look around. In other words, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. There was a band back in the 80s that I liked. They were called the 77s. And one of my favorite tracks on that album was a, a song called The Lust, the Flesh, the Eyes, and the Pride of Life. The second verse and chorus go like this. Well, I see something and I want it. Bam! Right now! No questions asked. Don't worry how much it costs me now or later. I want it. Want it, baby, and I want it fast. I'll go to any length, sacrifice all that I already have and all that I might get just to get something more that I don't need. And Lord, please don't ask me what for. The lust, the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life drain the life right out of me. Isn't that true? The enemy would like to deceive and fill us with doubts and temptation. He is the father of lies. But we have a defense against his attacks, the helmet of salvation. This helmet of salvation is not only meant to protect our minds, but also to set us free. Well, free from what? Well, free from doubt, for one. Paul said, but I am not ashamed because I know the one I put my trust in. And I am sure that he is able to protect what I have put into his care unto that day. I can bank on that. It's a safe bet. It's a sure thing. I know that deposit will be there when I get there. Free from insecurities. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any power, 
neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He sets us free from fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of what? A sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. And there are many more. I'm sure you could put your own list together to which I am confident the Scriptures would have a reply. Such lies are what Alcoholics Anonymous calls stinking thinking. And we got to get rid of the stinking thinking. Peter in his second letter said this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We need a mindset of victory. A defeatist attitude will get us nowhere. When Moses sent soldiers into Canaan to conduct a reconnaissance mission, their threat assessment was divided. Two of them were confident that Israel would be successful. The rest of the crew, the other ten, were fearful of the enemy's strength and fortifications. Joshua and Caleb said to Moses, Let's go in at once and possess the land, for we are able to conquer it. The others were afraid. We need that steadfast confidence. You see, the battle lines are drawn. Let's not get caught shamefaced or with our pants down when our, commander, when our commanding chief comes to call on us. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Are you discouraged? Don't be. You're on the winning team. You guys get this? We are more than conquerors. Amen? We are on the winning team. The fact that we have that helmet of salvation means that we have already won. Wow, what a relief that is. What a burden that takes off to know that I can move forward knowing I win in the end. Let the enemy do his worst. He can never separate me from the love of Christ. One day our battles will be over. One day we will exchange our helmets for a crown of victory as we reach the shores of unending praise. Look, it's been said, you are what you eat physically. I love that picture. But you are also what you think spiritually. The battle with temptation and sin begins in the mind. Thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to habits. Look, no man or woman can keep themselves from having a bad thought. But if you linger there and entertain it, this is when sin sets in. And it will lead to action. And it gets easier to do each time you do it. It can be enslaving. Why do dealers, at least in the movies, drug dealers say, the first one's always free? Because they know that thoughts and desires lead to action. Action leads to habits. And it gets easier every time you do it. It can be addicting. We can't prevent a bird from landing in our hair, but we can prevent him from making a nest there. Stray dogs will inevitably come into your yard, but you don't have to pet them. And for heaven's sake, don't feed them. They will cease to be a stray dog. You can't choose what random thoughts will come to your mind, but we can certainly choose which ones we dwell on. From beginning to end, we justify sin in our own minds, but if we only saw it how God sees it. We call it an accident. God calls it an abomination. Blunder or blindness, a blindness, chance or choice, fascination or fatality, uh, infirmity or iniquity, weakness or willingness, sickness or sin. Remember, this is armor because we are in a war, and in a war, the head is the primary target. Body armor is good, but put a bullet in someone's eye, and guess what? They're going to die. The Roman soldier's helmet was made of, of bronze. It was an ornate 
and noticeable thing. It had a leather strap that kept it on the head or affixed to his side. He was never without it, and he would never fight in a battle without it on. And Paul calls it the helmet of salvation, which tells me that our salvation should be the most beautiful, most noticeable part of our lives, and we should wear it, carry it, and never leave home without it. People should notice a difference in us as believers. The Bible calls us strangers and pilgrims in a foreign land, ambassadors for another country. It's not legalistic to believe that Christians should be different. I'm not talking about just putting on a different mask, a fake mask, but a really true inner difference that shines forward because of the salvation that is within. Salvation itself involves the mind, doesn't it? Belief can be a matter of heart, but repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Repentance is much more than just regretting that we sinned or getting caught. It's much more than self-pity. It is when we change our mind about sin and desire a change in our lives. Changing our minds will help us grow. Peter says, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Paul says in Romans, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. A lot of churches today emphasize the heart and emotions alone to the exclusion of the mind. They equate spirituality with feeling. But how about fact? I love facts, and they often lead me to be emotional. The Word of God feeds our minds, and as a byproduct, enriches our souls. Some people choose the church based on how emotionally charged they feel each Sunday, regardless of what is being taught. Who cares about doctrine? We don't need to worry about that as long as we feel good. Well, to truly live as a Christian, you need to know what those doctrines are, and you need to follow them. What you think, put on the helmet of salvation, and that will make you feel good, I promise, beyond measure. The helmet of salvation will protect us from a divided mind. James says, uh, James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It means looking in two directions at the same time. We need singular focus, that stone-faced quality of Jesus as he set his eyes on the prize at the end of his life, death for you and for I. Divided loyalties, split allegiances, multiple goals, multitudinous desires, we wind up being half-hearted when we try to do that. Which is better, to do a couple things well or to do many things poorly? We live in a, in a, multi, a multitasking society and we are capable of doing more than one thing at a time, but the question is, do those things make sense that we try to do all at the same time? Are we trying to have a dose of Jesus and a dose of the world as though somehow that's going to make us well-rounded? That doesn't make any sense at all. Amos said, can two walk together unless they be agreed? The Civil War soldier couldn't decide what side to be loyal to, so he put on a pair of gray pants and a blue jacket. After his first battle, they found him shot twice, once in the pants and once in the jacket. He was split between two sides. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Who is on the Lord's side is what Joshua said. Pope Alexander VII asked the Greek man, why don't you become a priest? Because I might want to get married, he replied. And so he said, why don't you get married? 
And he said, because I might want to become a priest. Well, this is a picture of many Christians, isn't it? With divided minds. This divided mind causes and comes from wrong thinking. Not wearing the helmet of salvation. Not getting our mind protected from the enemy and in tune with God. Richard Warmbrand was a dedicated Christian imprisoned in communist Romania in World War II. He was tortured constantly. He said, I learned to give it all to God from the brutal guards who tortured me. When I saw that they allowed no place in their heart for Jesus Christ, I decided that I would need, leave no smallest, not even the smallest place for Satan in mine. If they can live 100% for the devil, I can live 100% for Jesus. The devil wants to divide our minds so that we look from this to that instead of forward and to the author and finisher of our faith. The helmet of salvation also protects us from a deceived mind. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, the second one, he says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. How does Satan deceive our minds? He does it by inserting doubt, just a little bit off from true. Back in the garden, he said to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then he goes on and he substitutes an outright lie in place of what God had really said while we're caught off guard. Paul is talking about the battles we fight in his second letter to the churches in Corinth, and he writes these words. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. The enemy will plant thoughts in our minds. He'll put things in there that seem just so irrational at times. They don't even make sense. And they'll spin your mind around when you're so confused, you're so worried, you're so fearful. And then you get yourself worked up into a tizzy and a panic attack. And he fills those gaps of, of knowledge that you have in your head. He'll fill them with uh, the worst-case scenarios. If there's something you don't know how it's going to turn out in your life, He'll put in your mind the worst possible way it could turn out. I remember when we first handed over the keys to our teenage daughter, and she went out on her own for the night with the car. And she's a little bit late coming home. All of a sudden, you begin to worry. Is she in an accident? Is she on the side of the road? Is she okay? Has she been kidnapped? The worst possible scenario pops into your head. If you have some sort of medical symptom, He's going to take you to the internet to WebMD, right? And you're going to read every symptom and you'll say, oh, Lord, I'm going to be dead tomorrow. I got all of those symptoms. And you read the next one. I got, all of, I got multiple diseases I can't pronounce. I'm going to, die, going to die tomorrow. Linda Burnett was a 23-year-old woman, a resident of San Diego. and She was visiting her in-laws. And while there, she went to a nearby uh, supermarket to pick up some groceries. When she got back, her husband noticed her sitting in the car in the driveway with the windows rolled up and with her eyes closed, with both hands behind the back of her head. He became concerned and, and walked over to the car. And he noticed that Linda's eyes were now opened and she looked very strange. He asked her if she was okay, and, and Linda replied that she had been shot 
in the back of the head and had been holding her brains in for over an hour. The husband called the paramedics who broke into the car because the doors were locked, and Linda refused to remove her hands from her head. When they finally got in, they found that Linda had a wad of bread dough on the back of her head. A Pillsbury biscuit canister had exploded from the heat, making a loud noise that sounded like a gunshot, and a wad of dough hit her in the back of the head. When she reached back, she thought it was her brains. And she initially passed out, but, but quickly recovered. Now, it's reported that Linda was a blonde, but that may not have anything to do with the story. I'm not sure. It's not actually a true story, but it's a funny one. It makes the point. So what this verse says is that we have to take those thoughts, those silly thoughts, captive into obedience to Christ. So the way I think of it is this. I've got all these rebellious thoughts out there, and I've got this rope, which is the Word of God. I'm going to tie that into a lasso, and I'm going to lasso those untruths, and I'm going to say, you come over here. You get into, line, into alignment with right thinking from the Word of God. And that's how we take captive things and thoughts to be in alignment, in obedience to Christ, because what you think about, you bring about. And so if you get thoughts into your mind, he'll influence your behavior, and that will change your life. So you have to put on the helmet of salvation. You have to believe, as Paul said. You have to think good thoughts. Think thoughts that are pure. Think thoughts that are of praise. Think salvation thoughts, and that will protect you from the decapitating swing of the enemy's sword. Finally, it protects us from a discouraged mind. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, but says, Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Hope in the Bible isn't wishful thinking. It's an unwavering confidence in God that something you have already found, you have received. You've got it already. When a soldier loses his, help, he's, uh, loses hope, he's lost the battle. When you give up hope, you lose, and you might as well throw in the towel and surrender because victory isn't something that comes from without. It comes from within. A general and his men were completely surrounded in battle, and he said to his soldiers, Men, we have them right where we want them. They're on all sides. Don't let even one of them get away. That's the attitude we should have as Christians. We should have this mind that comes with a guarded mind from the helmet of salvation. Captain Kirk was the only Starfleet captain to beat the Kobayashi Maru. Now, I know I'm geeking out on so many of you. You've got to be a Trekkie to follow this. For those unfamiliar with Star Trek, the Kobayashi Maru was a training exercise at Starfleet Academy designed to test the character of cadets in a no-win scenario. You see, Kirk, he beat it by reprogramming the computer. Technically, he cheated, but he did so because he didn't believe in a no-win scenario. And if you believe in Jesus, neither should you, because we've already won. There is no no-win scenario for us. We have already won more than conquerors. We are on the winning side. When you see of a believer, you can get up, you can uh, give up, you can know that that decision was preceded by wrong thinking. Lift up your head and put on the helmet of salvation. Listen to your CO, our CO, God in heaven. Trust your equipment that I've given you, that he's provided. One day in heaven, we'll trade that helmet of salvation for a crown of righteousness. Will it go on your head? If so, not for long before we lay it down at the feet of Jesus, the worthy one who guided our path on earth through changing 
our minds. I'll leave you with these words, and then we're going to have a time of prayer. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you.